Shout out to the fam, man. How y'all doing today, man? What's happening? What's going on, Who That Nation? How y'all doing, man? We in this building uh, for another episode of The Coma opening up Monday. Shout out to the fam. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're now rocking with the Sports Coma with Big Q and the guys where we have intense, entertaining, educating, and enlightening sports talk from your favorite sports fam was popping shout out to the fam appreciate y'all being in the live much love to the fam man this one here entitled saints cap challenge 32.6 over restructures plus a new highs we'll cover all this in this episode of the show so please feel free to hit the like button hit the subscribe button by all means feel free to share the show on your social media feed sports coma representing the mighty who that nation the great saint thank tank we up in this thing shout out to y'all man appreciate y'all being here all right, big ups to everybody, man. Good to see y'all in the building. Bronze, good to see you, fam. Brandon Dot Davis. What's happening, brother? How you doing? OG Jerry. And everybody in the building, that boy alone. Swag fam. Brother Quavadius is in this thing as well. Good to see all y'all, man. Much love. Brother Reginald. I see you, fam. Appreciate you being here. All right, yeah, Chase. <laughs> We are the Raiders now. You know what, bro? We talked about that in previous streams, man. Dennis Allen and Mickey Loomis, the miss, the general mismanager, Lick Mickey, Slick Mickey Loomis. A lot of people questioning uh, Mickey's sanity <laughs> right now has allowed the Saints to become the Raiders. And like Mr. Raider, the biggest Raider is probably going to uh, join in the Saints late after July is over with his court case and all that's settled. You know, they got a spot for him. BJ9, shout out to you. Good to see you, fam. Appreciate you. As well, Brother Rodney's in this thing. What's up, Tuck? How you doing? Good to see you in the building as well. Big ups, Dana. Much love to the queens up in here. Appreciate you kindly. What's up, Brother Roe? Brother Roe's in this thing as well. Shout out to you, man. Appreciate y'all being in the stream. All right, so anyway, we got, uh, let's jump into some news, notes, and items, fam. We cover this in this episode of the show. Let's get right into it on this show. All right, so 
you look at I have currently on the screen right here. This is Sport Track. Sport Track. Uh, excuse me, over the cap. I use Sport Track and over the cap. I do prefer both services, but over the cap is pretty good. What's up, brother Craig? How you doing, bro? All right, yeah, but this is currently the numbers right now in terms of the Saints. As you can see, they're 32.6 mil in the red, going in the wrong direction. But anyway, this is some of the things that happened. Now, it was a little higher than that. It was 42 million, but the Saints did a little work not too long ago in reworking the contract of Carl Granderson. So let's kind of jump into that Saints uh, restructured contract of Carl Granderson. Saints continue to clear salary cap space and restructuring one of their top defensive players. Shout out to Bob inside NFL and inside of Tom Palacero reported that the Saints are going to restructure the contract. And obviously they did it already to move this conversion of the signing bonus signed last year. It'll clear about 7.2 million in in salary cap space. And New Orleans is now reportedly facing a cap deficit of just under $30 million. Now uh, over the cap has it at 32.6 currently now you know free agency is set to start uh, march the 13th and the team has restructured granderson Derek carr eric mccoy cesar ruiz defensive tackle nathan shepherd and these moves have cleared to combine around 41 mil and then granderson you know brings them down to the over the cap figure of 32.6 as you can see right here that I have highlighted. So that is currently right now where the black and gold is. Let me kind of read. Um, yeah, it's 32.6. I refreshed it just to make sure, but 32.6 is currently where it is now. Now, of course, Granderson was a guy, fantastic story about Carl Granderson. We all know and love undrafted out of Wyoming, you know, got arrested, was in jail case, got overturned. Something happened with the, something funny business happened with the judge. Didn't something she wasn't supposed to overturn this case let him out of jail ever since then. He'd been the saints and then credit to the saints for believing in him. Cause some people would have just cut bait and run. The saints actually believed in Carl Granderson believed in his innocence and kept, didn't release him waited till all his stuff was cleared up. And then he got out and all he did was show his appreciation by turning in some really good, solid numbers to the point where Carl Granderson currently is your best pass rusher. You know what I'm saying? 23 career sacks, 48 QB hits, 33 tackles for a loss, four fumbles forced into uh, recovered, 27 years old, best season last year, eight and a half sacks, 20 QB hits, 28 pressures, 14 tackles for a loss, 78 total stops, best numbers of his career. Now, of course, this is the first year, full year where he started, and the man earned himself, undrafted guy that built himself up into an NFL star. I will not start quite yet, but an NFL starter, rather say that one of the key pieces of the league's better defenders. Granderson was the team's most consistent defensive lineman last year. The saints inked him to that four year, 35 and a, almost 35 and a half million, but 35.3 to be precise. And grant. And of course, Granderson's guaranteed money was the most ever for an undrafted defensive lineman. It is the fourth highest for an undrafted player with former Dallas Cowboy, Tony Romo topping at 55 million in guaranteed money. Now, Granderson appeared in 17 games, 79% of the team's defensive snaps last season, played in 71 of a possible 75 contests over the last four years and has played in 26 consecutive games. So, Carl Granderson is the best defensive edge rusher or best defensive end that you have currently. No disrespect to Cam, but we're talking about in terms of current. 
Cam had like two sacks last year and he was battling that weird, that, that really tough ankle issue. But in terms of the future, you got to give it to Carl Granderson. All right. So, you know, shout out to Carl Granderson and the Saints continue to try to climb uh, down and uh, trying to see if they can make any other moves shake and happen. You know, so this is and shout out to Kat Terrell. This is sourced from her article right here where she covered a lot of this the other day. But, you know, but these are some of the moves that the Saints still could make right to get further down. And they're going to touch, touch a lot of these contracts in the next several days because we know there's a timeline here. Restructure of Ryan Ramchek, who more than likely Ram's not going to play this year. He could be possibly facing a situation where he's not going to play for the rest of his career. Ram's knee injuries, certainly concerning, but unless he chooses to retire after June 1st, the biggest avenue to open up cap space is restructure it and hope that they can find a solution to the problem. A full restructuring would save almost $12 million against the cap. Saints could add another void a year to spread out the money and uh, even more. And based on this situation, so as we can see, Ryan Ramchek, that is definitely going to be something that the Saints are going to see about doing, about restructuring his deal and try to get as much money down because they, they would be a fool not to. All right. Uh, also a restructuring, Cam Jordan, 30, uh, who's 35 going into the season, coming off a difficult season where he had only two sacks and several injuries, 27 million cap hit. That's the second highest on the team. 6.7 million roster bonus due to his Year in addition to his $6.3 million base, uh, converting both to signing bonus and spending, uh, spreading over a five year season up to four, almost $14 million in savings that they can get from Cam Jordan here. So, anyway, it'll be something where we have to focus on and see if we can get this done in terms of him. Uh, I just think, man, a lot of the stuff that's going on with uh, the Saints and their cap situation, um, could be worked out, and they're going to definitely do it over some of these guys. So we're looking at almost $12 million for Ramcheck. We're looking at uh, savings of almost $14 million for Cam Jordan. The restructuring of Demario Davis could be something that they do. Uh, as he turns 35 this year, they could do a simple restructuring and turn his base salary into $2 million roster bonus into a signing bonus, spread it out over the voided years that they'd like to do. That's just over $8 million on Demario Davis. And of course they already did Carl Granderson, 7.2 million, uh, the Cesar Ruiz thing. And then of course they mentioned, uh, some releasing going on Marcus may, uh, releasing Marcus may, this is some, odd, this is some, uh, just ideas that they thrown at doing that. The Granderson thing already happened because this was written prior to it, but you can see if they're sitting at 32.2 working Rams deal at almost 12, and the four, almost 14 million right there between Cam and, and if that is exactly the, the restructuring they're going to do, gets a big chunk of the 32.6 right there. And then another eight from Demario Davis there also puts him over. And then they would have to then keep clearing to open up money for signing of uh, draft picks. And of course, whatever free agents that the team is attempting to try to do as well. So getting down to back into the black and then doing other stuff. Now, the let's talk about the, this one right here. She mentions Marcus May, releasing Marcus May. Played 12 total games since he signed with the Saints as a free agent in 22. Uh, May is due $7 million in base salary the final year of his contract, which is significant for his age, performance, and availability. Saints could, have, uh, Saints could, save, by releasing, could save some money by releasing May and moving on to a young player like Jordan Howden. What would be the savings on releasing Marcus May? An estimated probably 1.1, they're saying $1.1 million. 
but that, that's the thing. A lot of people like that too. It's like Marcus May. Um, really, the Saints really need to think about kind of moving back. Because Marcus May, man, listen, he did some positive things, but if you poll uh, the the entire Who That Nation and ask them whether or not Marcus May should be released. I'm interested to hear what they got to say. So matter of fact, let's do that. How about we do that family? Let me see if I can get a poll going in the chat. Hold on just a second. Let me see. If I can put a damn poll up here in the chat. Cause I want to know what you guys uh, think about that. Let give me a second here. Let me, uh, let me get that going. Y'all hit the like button for me, please. But y'all just coming in the room. Let me see if I can put up uh, a poll here. Hold on. Here. Oh, crap. Hold on. Let me start a poll here. Give me a second. Let me put this up here right quick. Y'all give me just a second. Let me put it because I want y'all to engage here. Uh, And let me know how y'all feel about Marcus May. Should the Saints release Marcus May? Put that up there and we're gonna start it. There you go. All right, it's up there. All right, the poll that y'all, y'all chime in on. Y'all let me know how y'all feel about that poll. I got it up there now. And y'all already jumping on it. <laughs> Damn, y'all fast, man. All right, so anyway, he played in 12 total games since he signed with the Saints as a free agent in 22. Seven million dollar base salary, final season of his contract which is significant for his age, 30 years old performance and availability. The Saints could save by releasing May 1.1 million. Ain't big savings, but it's a million dollars goes along with everything else. So would it be, um, would it be uh, advantageous for the Saints to release May as opposed to them attempting to keep him? You know, I, I often think about like the Saints are, you know, one of the oldest, if not the oldest team in the league. So right about now, you know, you at the back end of that window, we talked about it like when they first, when Dennis Allen first took over the team, we knew what we was doing. They understood the complexity of having a core, an older core for your team. And the solid core of the team is old veterans that's, they're old productive veterans. You know, Tyron Matthew, Demario Davis, you know, Cam is usually productive. He had the ankle situation and so on and so forth. Taysom Hill is in that mix. You know, he's productive. So, I mean, and at some point you want to kind of gradually replace these guys, get them out, you know, and that's something that the saints have to do a better job of in safety is one of those things. They did a phenomenal job last year, getting Jordan Howden out of the university of Minnesota. And he was really good for, uh, for them. He came in, did some really good work and, but they need another one. Let's see if we can find another safety in this upcoming draft to bring in here for, you know, to, to, to add that new safety look for us in the future. There's also some stuff in terms of linebackers that we need to look at. They they kind of added guys to replace Cam Jordan. Like they got two guys that's currently on the team that were drafted. One with a first round draft pick. The other one was a second round pick to be potential heirs when Cam Jordan leaves. But where's your heir for Demario Davis? I don't believe it's Pete Werner. I think they need another guy. Pete's good, but they need another guy there. So it's it goes on and on and on. So, but well, you know, we'll get it. What's up, KB? Shout out to you. Good to see you. Slim, how you doing, brother? Molly Mall. Good to see y'all. So I'm gonna bounce back to that and kind of get that 
in the end to find out what's going on. Uh, the they ha- she has the option here of whether or not to extend Andrews Pete to extend Andrews Pete. Pete took a pay cut in 2023, and I'm gonna call you back. All right, all right. So uh, ex- excuse me. Uh, extended Andrews Pete. Pay, he, Pete took a pay cut in 23, reducing his 11.825 million base to a 1.5 mil and receiving roster bonus of 4 million for a total pay reduction of 6.3 million. That saved the Saints around 9.5 million against the salary cap. Pete's contract is set to void in the offseason. It will cost the Saints almost or just over 30, uh, 13.5 against the salary cap if he does. So if Pete's contract is set to void in the offseason, it will cost the Saints some money. While PDC initially lost his starting job at the left guard position and in returning in a reduced contract, he proved he still has the value after subbing in at the left tackle when Penning was benched. If the Saints were able to re-sign Pete to a one-year deal at the same salary, $1.5 million, $4 million signing bonus, they could reduce the hit to just over $9.8 million which is a savings of almost $3.8 million, keeping them on the roster for an additional year. There would be a lot of variables involved, such as what position Pete plays, which he plays guard or tackle. And it would serve for uh, Clint Kubiak, who would better be served to go and find his own type of offensive lineman uh, to come in and do it. Because I wasn't impressed with what um, uh, Marone did last year with the offensive line and he kept and he wasn't replaced. He let it stink. The, the, the coach let it stink the whole year. So I wasn't impl- impressed with that, but new leadership comes in. Different things can happen. Different philosophies can happen. Players look differently when different guys come in. So, you know, I, I still feel like we need some more guys to come in to kind of keep that competition going. But if John Benton, who's the new offensive line coach comes in, and he does a head. I think he'll do a better job than Doug Marone, what he did last year. And he brings some new stuff here, get these guys moving, kind of teach them the game. Things could change a bit. Thanks for a second. Like what, uh, you know, you had uh, Coach Richard, what he had, what he was doing in the years with the secondary, was, which, you know, when you had Aaron Glenn there, we had a pretty decent secondary. And then when Coach Chris Richard, Chris Richard stepped in, you've seen different players step up and improve under a new uh, coach. And then you've seen improvement when that happened, when Coach Richard left. And then you've seen uh, Joe Woods come in as the defensive coordinator. His job is to take care of the cornerbacks. You've seen several Saints players at the cornerback level improve their play. That went up. Now, sometimes you'll get a coach that speaks your language, that defines the games, and not all coaches are created equal. <laughs> Let's just say we know that. Not all coaches are head coaches or assistant coaches have uh speak the same language some are better teachers than others obviously right so this could be a thing but i still will be a guy that promotes for john benton and clint kubiak coming in here to bring some of the guys that know their system in here to mix when mix in with whatever he has left offensively speaking because the cupboards are not bare here in the city of new orleans I, i listen our offense could compete with the best of them let's get this together here the only reason why the Saints offense suffered this year is because they had a good scheme. Sean Payton had this scheme down here for years and was kicking everybody in the NFL's ass. The problem was in many of Coach Payton's years, he didn't put the defense with the offense. 
and many other things, sidebar things like not doing a good job, staying too, uh, uh, you know, tied to Drew Brees when Drew Brees is beyond his competitive years, when he should have been replaced. When he got hurt that year and he couldn't perform, he should have been replaced, you know, and the guys should have been brought in because we, you can see, you know, you can't play. It's very rarely that you'll see guys that'll play that long at that high level. You can see Drew Brees really suffered for it because like he said, he can't even use his right arm. And I don't know how accurate that is, but he said it. He got to learn to throw with his left arm because his right arm is messed up. That's terrible. But that's because they didn't know how to get the hell out the way and, and be visionaries. They These people do this all the time. But anyway, before I get on, them, this is the thing I'm talking about with what happens here. The offense that they had was not a bad offense. It was kicking the NFL's ass year after year. The problem was they didn't have true leaders running that offense. They didn't have any accountability. They didn't have a guy that was in there getting on these players and telling them to do the right thing. And when they make mistakes, take time from them. They didn't have the fear. They didn't have the fear or the respect of authority. Not saying they were bad players, but if you're a coach and even Elvin Kamara said it, that guys were false starting and they just sitting up there looking stupid, not saying nothing. And I'm like, did they false start? No, if a guy false starts, he got to pay for that. If a guy fumbles the ball, he got to pay for that. Meaning go do some running. You're going to do push-ups. You're going to pay for that. You're hurting the team. You're going to pay for that one way or the other. They have to be some type of level of accountability. And they didn't have no level of any level of accountability. All they did was made excuses for the errors and the bullshit that was going on in that team, in that offense. That's that real deal. So this guy comes in. What's the difference? He's a no nonsense guy. He does have a, an accountability uh, mindset with them, and that should help them improve because they didn't have that last year. They had a good system with a milk toast guy running it. They didn't have a guy in there like a. Even if you don't like Gruden, you got to give it to Gruden. Gruden's gonna fuss, he gonna cuss, and he gonna make sure you do it right. You think Carmichael was doing that? Hell no, he wasn't doing that. The guy can't survive without Sean Payton. <laughs> he can't survive without Sean Payton. So, I mean, anyway, it must be nice, right, to go run up under Peyton's skirt when you lose your job. Anyway, this is the, and this is some of the savings and the potential savings. They talk about the trade, trade or restructure. I'm not for trading, Elvin, but he restructuring his contract at 29, the beginning of the season, coming off a year in which he had the fewest yards from scrimmage. That's not all his fault. Offense stunk. He was there. They, under, they underutilized Elvin Kamara. The offensive line was trash. You know, the offense was up and down like a dog. But Elvin Kamara was there after the suspension trying to do some stuff. And and uh, it just it was ridiculous, you know, in many games. Average 15 million a year ranked second in the NFL behind Christian McCaffrey, which is what you help hoping that Clint Kubiak can take this and turn him into. If the Saints restructure Kamara's contract, it will free up eight million, but result in a significant dead money hit in 25 if they choose to move on next year. Trading him would free up over $10 million base salary and $1.6 million in bonuses, but would only save $1.5 million against the cap. It would also leave the Saints in a precarious situation at running back with rookie Kendra Miller spent most of the season hurting Jamal Williams averaging three yards a carry. Elvin Kamara could serve, and, and that is not an option, not right now. 
in a year, in a desperation year, you need who's he's arguably your offense's best best player. For real, he's arguably the offense. And then it's how you use Elvin Kamara. It's how you use him. He's not just the running back. He could be moved all over the all over the field. If you have imagination to use him, he could be used all over the field. And really, Elvin Kamara don't have to come off the field as much as he does. I mean, you can slide him into a wide receiver role and pair another running back behind the quarterback. I mean, it's all about imagination. And I think Kubiak, if he's going to take Shanahan's system and bring it here, I'm pretty sure he'll be able to find a way to utilize him where he can get more yardage and more miles out of Elton Kamara because he wasn't he wasn't utilized right last year. He really wasn't. But you would expect the kind of uh, million, they're talking about the $15 million, which ranks behind Christian McCaffrey because they're similar backs. These are multi-purpose guys that'll, that'll destroy you on, on, on the football field. So I'm not for trading him, but you know, they say a potential restructuring could save $8 million. Trades, 1.5. So you can see what happens there. And of course, she mentions the releasing of Michael Thomas as a post-June 1st cut. Saints won't be able to use Thomas or Jameis released to to get compliant at the start of the league year as both will have to be on a roster that day to be labeled post-June 1st cut. However, they can use the cuts to open up space for later moves. If Thomas is designated a post-June 1st cut, the Saints will get $1.21 million base salary back after that date. you see the savings there. The release of Jameis as a post-June 1st cut recently restructured contract in a way that would allow the Saints to release him as a post-June 1st cut and spread out his salary cap hit. He said that still wants to be, he wants to be a starting quarterback somewhere. So that that's not going to happen in New Orleans because Derek Carr is the man, you see. And the future in their minds is Jake Hayner, and they probably will bring in another veteran quarterback, uh, some probably uh, Sam Darnold or something like that to, or at a cheaper rate to occupy or be a backup quarterback. You know, guys always going to bring the guys they're familiar with with them. And Jameis is, as far as I'm concerned, Jameis Winston is not, not going to be a New Orleans Saint player after this year. So I hope he does, but I just don't see it happening. Other savings, a pay cut for Taysom Hill. Approaching players for pay cuts has been a part of the Saints strategy. Pete Thomas Winston took pay cuts last year. Former kicker Will Lutz took a pay cut last season as well was traded. Players who take pay cuts are usually players who would be released at their current salary and would not be able to find similar compensation elsewhere. Hill, who turns 34, right before the open, is still highly productive in his unique role for the Saints. He has led all players, other than the starting quarterbacks, in total touchdowns for the last three years. The Saints will likely open up several million in cap space if he agrees to take a pay cut to return. So all these things could be... uh, I don't see the, the only... Thing I kind of, and this is just the option. She's not saying that, but it's just an option in terms of uh, the Saints um, trading Elvin Kamara because you got to look at all those things. You got to look at everything. You look at all things and what you can do. But in a desperation year, like in the last year of a Dennis Allen contract, you would not recommend that New Orleans Saints trade their best player, offensively speaking. Now, we know Chris Olavi's phenomenal. But Elvin Kamara is a big part of what the Saints do offensively. And then with Clint Kubiak coming here that to to a offense that, like I said before, the cupboards are not bare, uh, bare here. We have a lot of really good players here, uh, you know, that can really help ascend and make the Saints offense a top five unit in this here league. And Elvin Kamara could have similar 
stats and statistics as a Christian McCaffrey. Those those guys mirror each other a lot. So I'm pretty sure Clint Kubiak will, is looking to get Alvin Kamara involved more in his system. Or to have success, you're going to need that. And just sidebar before we kind of move on to the next article here, the Taysom Hill situation. We talked about this on the Friday stream, the last show that we did. And, you know, we talked about uh, some of the former players from the 49ers that Clint Kubiak and, of course, some of these guys under contract. But when you look at, you know, how their offense was ran, you see how important a guy like Justin Juszczyk was for the 49ers. And it was like, okay, how, you know, it'll be cool for us to get Juszczyk, but he is still under contract. But one, but it, it bared the thought that in the great St. Think Tank was going on and something said to me and, and the family members in the chat was saying it too. I was th- looking at, I'm like comparing the two Taysom Hill and Justin Juszczyk. Now check, check is a, of, 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 of a guy that you call him a fullback, but he does a lot of things for the 49ers. Right. So, you know, you look at Taysom Hill and I'm saying, could they, could Clint Kubiak have his first brilliant thought? It says, I'm going to take Taysom Hill and turn him into Justin Juszczyk or create a role similar to Juszczyk that he has with, you know, and I look, I was like, okay, could he do that? We've seen before in the Saints offensive playbook and on the field where they would use Taysom Hill as a fullback. We've seen the Saints use them. They'll put Taysom in there. He would block for Elvin Kamara, and he did a really good job of blocking because he's a running back. That's what Taysom is. He's a running back. He's a running. He's not really a quarterback. I've been saying that for several years now. He's not accurate enough to be a quarterback. He is a running back. He, he played wide receiver. He can do a lot of stuff, but he, a lot of his production came from him running the football. 